With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. This is Bishop Kelly Zimmerman from Kingdom Today. Kingdom Today is a broadcast, and we share about the good news of Jesus Christ. I am so excited about our talk today, and we are going to have a very interesting but heartfelt talk today. And I pray that through this talk today and this discussion that there will be peace, in your spirit, and there will be heartfelt deliverance today. I am so excited. I am so excited about where we're going today. I am, uh, again, just excited about what we're going to be talking about today because today we're going to talk about something that's very real. For some, it may trigger some memories uh, that may be unpleasant, but we decree that it is going to be deliverance in the house today. We are going to talk about church hurt today, church hurt today. And we've all experienced some degree of church hurt, Um, some in various degrees. Some maybe have experienced through minimum uh, degrees, and some have experienced a significant degree of church hurt. But through our lives, we have all experienced some degree of church hurt. Why? Because as long as we're in this world, we're going to experience a high degree of church hurt. We're going to this degree experience some degree of hurt in this world because sometimes people don't intend to offend or hurt, but sometimes people are under different degrees of influences. What do you mean by that, Bishop Zimmerman? Well, and when we go through our walk through life, we may have had different encounters with the enemy. What Well, can you explain that further? I sure will. The devil's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. What does that mean in detail? I'm going to break it down some more. Steal. When the enemy's job is to steal, he's going to steal our joy if he can, He's going to steal the very essence of our faith if he can. He's going to steal the very happiness. He's going to steal as much of the the attributes of God that he can, our peace. Everything that represents the epitome of God that he can. Then what he's going to do is he's going to kill us spiritually Physically, whatever he can do. Why? Because he hates the God in us. He doesn't care about us. But what he does is that he's so angry at God. He's so angry because he knows that he has no hope himself, that he's messed up. He knows where his future, come on now, I need you to get this. He knows that he has no hope himself, that he's going to kill every, every trace of God in us, and he's going to try to get back at God any way he can. So he's trying to do all of this to us to get back at our Father. And so if he can kill us, destroy all of those attributes, steal all of those attributes, of God in us, then he 
feels that he's going to kill, the very attributes kill us. Then once he kills us and stops us from being the true forms that we are, then he will go to the destruction phase. When you destroy something, you annihilate its very being, its very existence. Come on now. And then after that, there's nothing left. There's no trace of it if possible. When you destroy a building, when you destroy something, there is nothing left of it. If possible, there is nothing left of it, no evidence of it. And that's what he's trying to do. That's what his job is. And so if he can do that, by appearing as an angel of light, because the word of God says the enemy will appear as an angel of light, then what he will do is he will appear as an angel of light, he will use the collar, he will use people in the church, whether it's a mother of the church, whether it's someone, a member of the church, whether it's a, a trusted leader in the church, whoever, to hurt someone, to get them to make Christ of none effect, then guess what? He will do that. Come on now. And so that's why church hurt hurts so much more than someone on the street cursing us out. All right now. It will hurt so much more. You know, it's one thing somebody on the side of the street come and curse us out. But it's another thing when someone that we trust that's in the same household of faith that we are come and hurt us. So we're going to talk about these things. We're going to discuss them. And then not only are we going to discuss them, we're going to talk about what we can do, what the word declares, how we can use tangible things in application of the word, to aid to our deliverance, because if we don't, we will allow the enemy to use us to hurt other people. And you know what? We buy that up right now in the name of Jesus. We will not let the enemy win. He will not win. So you buckle up your seatbelts. We're going to do this thing. We're going to be delivered today. And I will share with you some of my own experience because, you know what, we've all been through it. I myself have been through it myself. And I want you, if you're listening now, to share your stories too. I'm not going to be the one doing all the talking. If you're listening or even if you want to just listen and email me or text me or even uh, inbox me, you can do that because sometimes, I'm going to say this, sometimes the hurt is so bad we need to go to our brothers and sisters and we need to lean on each other. And I want you to know that I am here for you. We won't bash other people because the word of God says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of darkness in this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. We know that it's not the person. We know that it's the spirit that they may be influenced under, and we know that it's the demonic forces that has influenced them in this. So we know what that text is talking about. So I want you, I'm going to give you my email address. I'm going to give you um, a phone number to reach me, and you all know that I'm on Facebook on the Bishop Kelly Zimmerman. Um, you can inbox me. You can contact me at 864 541-2755. You can also email me at hisvessels01 at gmail.com, H-I-S-V-E-S-S-E-L-S-01 at gmail.com. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And so those are some areas that you can reach me at if you want to discuss some church hurt, want to be uh, discuss those, and we can work together on those things uh, in your deliverance because some deliverance take more of a process than others. So I definitely uh, wanted to put that out. So how does it all begin? How does church hurt all begins? It can start by one thought infiltrated in our mindset by the enemy. Well, what do you mean? Let's go, we can go back to Genesis. One thought. Because did not the serpent speak to Eve and infiltrate a thought? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Because when the serpent met Eve and they discussed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she told the serpent that they can't eat of that tree. What did the devil say? You can. He told her the opposite of that. And she began to think on that thing, meditate on that thing. He, he started with a thought process. He started with a thought process. Yes, you can. He just thought God don't want you to be smart as him. God don't want you to do this. You can eat that. You're not going to surely die. And see, he manipulated. The enemy manipulated the word enough so that she could say, well, maybe I won't die. You know, I can eat this fruit. And she did eat because she started thinking, hmm. It begins with a thought process. What happened is he will begin to infiltrate thought process that is opposite of what God intended us to think on. And so it happened. if it happened to Eve, guess what? It can happen to any of us. And then what happened? Eve told Adam. And Adam did do the same thing. What did he do? He ended up eating. And so what happened was because Adam ate, both of them ate and their eyes were open. And they became ashamed. And when you look deeper into that scripture, it may not have always been just because they were physically naked. It was that their eyes were open, that they were in disobedience to the voice of God, and they had to hide themselves. Whenever we fall in disobedience of God, what happens is that we begin to drift away from God, and we do the opposite of God. Well, let me explain something to you. How does that apply to church hurt? When someone begins to have a thought process, oh, who does she think she is that she has to lead all the songs all the time? Who told her she was all that? Who told him that he could pray all the time or he could preach all the time? He can always say all of the greetings all the time. Or why she got to go there and wear that outfit all the time? It begins with a thought process. It begins with an infiltration by the enemy. You know, the person can be operating in their season because God is getting ready to promote them, and the enemy is just so angry that he has to infiltrate a thought process, a negative thinking, thinking in our mindset, and if we're not careful, if we don't cast those thoughts and imaginations and high things off, then what happens, we begin to entertain those thoughts, and when we begin to entertain those thoughts, then what happens is they begin to marinate into our spirit man and start to contaminate us, and then we begin to act on them. Um, One of the things that I used to discuss when I uh, counseled and detox was the ABC of thinking, attitude, behavior, consequences. 
attitude came from your thinking. It formulates your 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 attitude. I don't like snakes. Every snake that I see is poisonous. I don't care if it's non-poisonous. A snake, if I see it, it's poisonous to me. I don't, I'm going to treat every one of them as poisonous. My eyesight, my thought process is that they're poisonous. I don't know what the difference between a garden snake and a rattlesnake, you know, except for the one may rattle, but I would treat every snake as if it's poison. So my thought process is if I see a snake, I'm getting out of the way. So I'm going to make sure that the, the degree of respect that I give a snake is I'm staying out of the way. That's my attitude, and it, for, it formulates my behavior. So if I'm formulating the behavior of making sure that I'm not too close to the presence of a snake, guess what? My consequences is I'm hopefully I'm not going to get bit. Come on now, I need y'all to get this. So if I see it, I'm going to either get out of the way or I'm going to try to find a way to either get the uh, the snake people um, to come and get it, remove it, which I've had that done because I've had a snake in my house before, and I'm going to make sure it get out of the way, get it out of there, because I don't want to get bit. I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to go through no un- un- uh, uh undesirable pain, you know? So that's my attitude. I don't like them. But are they good to our ecosystem, as some people will say? Yes, because they get rid of rats. They get rid of unnecessary rodents. They can help us. But I don't like them. You see what I'm saying? So I'm going to at least stay out of the way. That's right. So that's my consequences, which is a good consequence to stay out of the way so I don't get bit. But now, if I allow the enemy to tell me, oh, that snake is not going to bother you, and I decide that I want to play around with the snake and it's something poisonous, then guess what? My consequences is I could get hurt. I could get bitten by that snake and end up in the hospital. So I must make sure that I apply what Philippians says, <laughs> whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. I can't allow the enemy to infiltrate my mind because my mind is a stirring wheel to my spirit because if the enemy gets my mind, he has me, and I can't let him have me. That's easier said than done at times because we have to fight. There's a battlefield going on in our mind. Come on now. Are you getting this? Any questions so far? Any comments? This is how some of this can start. So when we have leaders, and I'm going to tell you now, leaders are not perfect. Please don't put us on such a pedestal that we're perfect. If you ever serve as an armor bearer, if you ever know a a close friends with a leader, you'll see that we have issues. Some of us are bleeding, and unfortunately, because some of us are bleeding and haven't dealt with some issues, we've allowed ourselves to be subject to the hands of the enemy. And that's why it's all even more important that we deal with those issues because some of us have been through church hurt and have not been delivered. Oh, my God. And you can't lead effectively if you're still walking around in hurt and not been delivered. Oh, my goodness. You have to be delivered. So how does it all begin? When we engage and experience, that's the better word, in hurt, we open the doors to the spirit of offense. I will share a story, a situation, because I have been hurt myself. There was a situation in which I, I grew up in the church. 
from a little girl all the way. I could quote scriptures like nobody's business. As a little girl, I just loved church. I just loved it. You could not pry me away from church. As I began to grow, I was so excited about going to church. But how many of you know that there are some adults that will pick on children? And so growing up in church, I've had a grown-ups pick on me. Oh, you ain't going to make it. You're going to get pregnant before you get out of here. And the only thing that I was doing, I didn't know anything about that. I, You know, at that time, I didn't even know anything about sex because I was growing up in the church. My heart was pure. You know, I would be in the Bible bowls, and I would be in Sunday school, and I was asked to be uh, in training to be the secretary of the Sunday school and the junior usher board and in the choir. All I wanted to do was serve the Lord. You know, that's all I knew. And by the time I graduated from high school and I went to college, I would come home and I got these mean bugging looks and people were so nasty to me and I couldn't understand why. And it got to the point I just decided I wasn't coming home no more. Yeah, I had to say it like that. I wasn't coming home no more. And I stopped going to church even in college for a little bit. I said, if this is the way church people are, I don't want to go no more. All my life, I had been raised in the church, but because my own home church had treated me so bad, I didn't want to go to church no more. I'd had no one to talk to about this issue. So I began to live one of those vicarious lifestyles. Until I got raped. And when I got raped my freshman year in college, I had to go and get help because there was a week of my life that I could not remember. And the help that I got at that time started out from the world and then eventually I started getting back into the church. But it took a while because I had been hurt so bad because I felt like the church no longer loved me. That's how dangerous church hurt can be because the world system, certain people in the world will help you. Certain people in the world will not help you. The world has its own agenda. But then you have some people in the world, in the church, excuse me, that have their own agenda because they don't understand who they are and whose they are in God. When I finally began to get back in the church, I met a remnant of people who showed me the love of Christ, and I began to rededicate my life back to God. That was the first time I left the church. But it's very dangerous when you hurt one of God's elect. I didn't know what God's plan was for me. But what I do know is that now I see God has a perf- had a perfect plan for me, and he has a perfect plan for you. A lot of people have gone on to be atheists, and a lot of people are agnostic because of the very actions church folks have done, and God is uh, tired. He's tired of us making his name defiled. John 
1535 says, by our love walk, are we identified as his disciples? We have to make sure that we don't harm his people. You know, his word declares if we harm one of his little ones, don't you know it'd be better if a millstone was hung about our neck and we drowned in the depths of the sea? It's dangerous when we do that. Every time we see a person, whether they show us love or not, we're supposed to demonstrate his love, his authentic essence, because of the fact that he showed it to us, and we're a hot mess even on our best days. We're still pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. We're still going to be judged first. So we can't get to the point that we think ourselves higher than we ought to. But we should love because when we were dead in sins, guess what? He still died for us. He still said, Father, forgive us. And we all have secret sins that we have committed that nobody else knows. And we can't get so high-minded, so judgmental that we disrespect his elect. Because the very one that we throw our nose up at, that we intentionally hurt, may be the one that may give us our last drink of water. So how dare we try to hurt someone else? Come on now. Any questions, comments, observations? Anybody want to share? Church hurt. It's a dangerous thing. A lot of people have yet to go out into their ministries because they have been hurt so badly. They don't think they can do it, but because they have been hurt so bad, they are afraid to launch out into the deep. Come on. Oh, my God. Those Jezebel spirits have caused people to become spiritual eunuchs. Uh-oh. What do I mean by that? What is a eunuch? A eunuch has been castrated. They can't produce. Why? Jezebel had eunuchs. They could not castrate. They, they could not produce their ministries. They were only able, they were limited because of the fact that Jezebel had control over them. In this case, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, you can't do this. Have you ever had a leader that would not release you Said God didn't tell you to go nowhere. There should not be a pastor that have 500 armor bearers, 500 ministries rather, ministers right under them, or 500 armor bearers. That don't make any sense. Because I'm going to tell you, we're all called to do something for the kingdom. There are some people that have been assigned to that pastor. But because that pastor has been hurt, they, they want to control. They've been controlled at one point. Now they are hurt, and hurt people what? Hurt other people when they're not delivered. I'm putting that, that, re, that, that little excerpt in there. Hurt people hurt other people when they're not delivered. And so what happens is they want to control they want to control other people, so they won't release the other ones. I've experienced that too. There was a time that there were leaders that tried to spiritually blackball me. <laughs> and because my season was up, Genesis 12, starting with verse 1, what did Ab God tell Abram? Leave your family, country, and kindred and go to a place that I will show you. Everybody is not meant to stay under a particular leader. Now, you, we all 
I will say this. I think we all need a spiritual mentor or a spiritual covering for the accountability, for the impartation of wisdom. I have a spiritual covering that uh, God is first, and then I have a mentor that I can go to. Matter of fact, I have about I, – I, don't try to get no more than three because they specialize in certain things. But what I will do is that there's one particular that I stay under and I get wise counsel from. Now, I, I don't say go and be a spiritual mutt. They know about each other. And so um, what I do is I get wise counsel. I get wise counsel. As a female bishop, there's one uh, female bishop that I go to for ministry uh, because there's certain things as a female Episcopal leader that she can share with me that maybe my male uh, spiritual leader may not have that insight. And he knows about that as well as she knows about him. Does that make sense? Now, I have an apostolic covering that I go to for wise counsel. And that's who my leader is. Now, there are certain other things that I go to one other leader that I get some wise counsel. But as far as going to 50 different leaders, no, no, no. But I can get some wise counsel from because of the fact that they have proven demonstrated competency from the Lord that I can trust and I know that I don't have to worry about any other motive but to that they're going to follow the heart of God. Amen? And so they're not trying to Cover. They're not trying to dictate me. They're not trying to confine me. They will challenge me to go higher in God. They will do whatever it takes, whether it's to chastise me, and the only thing I can say is ouch and amen, but it's all in love. It's never anything out of order. And so what, what the former leader did as I was growing in ministry, when it was time when the Lord said my season was up, was near end, excuse me, I did everything in order, and then next thing, they began to be angry. That's not God. That's not God. Because what happens is, even if they did not agree, the love walk in that that covering at that time would have been, well, let's talk about this a little bit more. Let's, let's, let's explain why do you believe that your season is up. But they wanted to embarrass me in front of all of my co-labors in the vineyard. When that didn't succeed, then there came rumors and lies. That's not God. And so, you know, I respected their wishes. There were certain requests that was asked of me, and God said, honor it. You be the bigger person. And so what I did was, was I hurt? Yes. Now, I will say I fell into disobedience because then I got hurt and I got angry. God, why did you allow this to happen? And so I had to repent of that thing. I really had to repent. And so to me, after I got it resolved, we came to peace as far as I'm concerned. But to, even to this day, that person still walks around with her, oh, that leader. But I walk blamelessly because I've walked up right before the Lord. I, I repented. I made my adjustment. And I'm just doing real talk. That's to show you that even I was not perfect and I had to make the adjustment. So because when I made the adjustment, I did not want my ministry to go down the toilet. I wanted my ministry to be right before God. But I use it as a testimony to encourage other people. Don't lash out even if they lash out at you. 
Don't even do it because it's not worth it. It's not worth losing your ministry. It's not delay, worth delaying your ministry. Yes, does it? did it hurt? Yes, it did. I said I wasn't going to walk back in ministry. And for a year and a half, I didn't do nothing for ministry. Nothing. I said I wasn't going to preach another sermon. I wasn't going to do nothing. And God said, yes, you are. You don't have an option. I called you. You didn't call yourself. And that's what I had to do. I had to make the adjustment. I'm thankful that he didn't crack that sky or call me up before before I obeyed. <laughs> but to God be the glory on this thing. Because when you are leading, you are not effective leading. And so my heart is so sensitive to leaders people that are hurt in the church. And my heart is just so towards you. My heart bleeds for you because I know what you have gone through because I've gone through it. And until we go to the Lord and we ask him to help us mend the broken areas, it hinders our effectiveness. It hinders the effectiveness as leaders, as disciples, as witnesses of the authenticity of Jesus Christ. We can conquer so much when we stop fighting each other, when we stop being allowing each other to hurt us. And knowing, recognizing that even within the household of faith, sometimes we have to use our spirit of discernment and identify those wolves in sheep clothing. Any questions or comments? Now, there are the spirit of Potiphar. And Saul, remember when Saul became jealous of David? The people began to sing, Saul slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. That is where a lot of this uh, emerged to uh, when we think about these things. And Saul kept trying to kill David. But what did David do? If that's another good example that we can take. Uh, when we experience church hurt. Imagine how hurt David was. David loved Saul. Even though David was anointed as king, it wasn't his time. It wasn't his time yet. But David was willing to wait his turn. He was willing to wait his turn, and he was going to serve Saul until his turn. And so even though Saul hated David, guess what? David loved him. He said, I'm going to serve him anyway. Unless God tells you to move, if you stay prayed up, if you stay committed, I guarantee you, God's got you. It's only a matter of time that God will deal with those who hurt you. God has a way of troubling those who trouble you. I know, I can imagine that David was hurt. We all know that. But David had an excellent spirit in him. You have an excellent spirit within you. I have an excellent spirit in me because one of the things that I learned to do under the unction of God is that every time, even after all of this happened, I learned every time I saw that leader, they wouldn't speak to me. I would speak to them. I would show them love. I would say, how y'all doing? Bless y'all. You know, I would just love them with the love of the Lord. 
Now, I wouldn't go and make a pest out of myself. I wouldn't go and get all in their way. But what I would do is whenever I see them, I would make it a way to love them and thank them for everything that they've done for me. Because regardless, guess what? When I sat under their ministry, I learned so much despite the things that I, the hurt that I experienced. Because I'm going to tell you, I went through some hurt. I was embarrassed, humiliated, talked about, lied on. I went through a lot of things, but I still served. And then when God said it was my time to go, I did everything in order. I did everything in order. And if they asked me for any help, even to this day, I would still help them without any hesitation because we're workers together in Christ. We are workers together in Christ. And so I learned so much for them, learned so much from them. I would never hurt them. Sometimes we're at the same services. I get pot shots even to this day. But guess what? I still smile at them. I honor them. I love on them. It's just like to me nothing has ever happened. And I say that because that's when you know that you are over the hurt. You are over it. And I will always honor them as a leader because of the fact that I learned, I gleaned, and I grab onto all of the good things that I did get out of that ministry. I grabbed so much of the good things out of it. I don't just sit up and harbor over the negative things. I, I, I can't do that. But what I will do is boast on how God used them to help me to get to where I am today. See, one thing we have to learn about, those church hurts, they help us get to where God needs us to. They don't destroy us. We can't allow them to destroy us. But they will help get us to the destination that God needs us to be. We cannot, will not allow them to destroy us. We have to learn how to forgive them because we, our destiny looks a whole lot greater than where the church hurt is. It looks a whole, our, de our destiny is a whole lot greater. We are not going to allow the enemy to win. We're not going to let him win. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that that help me. Romans 8:28. Let's turn to that real quick cuz I definitely uh, want to impart that into you. I got to turn my light off. Isn't that wonderful? Cuz that is that is one of my scriptures right there. I tell you. I love that. Now, are there any questions while I'm turning to that? Romans 8.38, excuse me. This is what helps me because a lot of times we have to remember, again, that we can't punish God for what man does. It says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Apostle Paul wrote that to the Romans, all of that... That that whole eight chapter it actually, 
he was sharing with them how his walk sometimes can be rather frustrating. That whole chapter, especially that part right there, he was sharing with them that out of all of the things that he's gone through, our walk is not always easy. And so what happens is that a lot of times we go through different challenges, we go through different hurts, especially church hurt, because there's nothing like church hurt. I mean, you know, but we're not going to glorify the church hurt. Um, we go through frustrations, different anguishes. We go through different uh, challenges, whatever your challenge is. We lose a loved one. You know, you pick it, loss of job, loss of income, you name it. But through it all, what the Apostle Paul did was he told the Romans because he was moved by them. And what he shared with them was the mere fact that when he gets frustrated, when he gets to the point that he feels like he wants to give up, because of church hurt, <laughs> because of frustration, he goes back and he remembers his road to Damascus. And when on, on Acts 9, when he was on his beast getting ready to go and persecute Christians, his encounter with Jesus Christ, and when he was on his road, almost there, almost at his point, and had his encounter with Jesus Christ, his life was never the same. It was a transformation. And when he had his transformation, he could not go back to the same familiar place. He, he could not be the same. And, it was a, and that transformation was able to shift him from one dimension in his faith to another. He was not the same. His name was changed. From Saul to Paul. And so even when we go through hurt, you know, even though we go through our challenges, what we have to remember is even when those things happen, and they're going to happen because Jesus even said that, you know, in this world we're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome it. And when they reject you, they're rejecting me. Don't worry about it. You know, he, he said that himself. He said that himself. But when we go through these things, we have to be mindful to not let anything separate us from the love of Christ. Don't let church hurt separate you from the love of Christ. We may have to steal away for a minute. We may have to go through our secret closet, but don't let nobody, I got to get Ebonics, whatever you want to call it, don't let anyone separate you from the love of Christ. No one, you know, because he loves you when they're tripping on you. Jesus loves you and is right there by you when the leaders are hating on you, when the, the lady that's sitting across you jealous of you because of what kind of dress you got on, because the deacon over there is hating because you prayed longer than he did. Whatever the situation is, whatever the hurt is, you go to the Father. You go into your closet. You show love. In spite of, I tell you, love covers a multitude of sin. And because you continue to show love, guess what? I guarantee you, you continue to show love. What's going to happen is God is going to be your vindicator. Before I became bishop, I'm telling you, there were elders, and I and at that time I was I was a minister at that time, uh, had not been promoted to elder. And these two elders continued to try to get me in trouble. They were like, go get me some water. Go get me. God said, serve them. Just do what, what they ask you to. And as I was on my way doing what I was told, 
don't you know every time um, I would be stopped by my leader, they, where are you going? Uh, and I would tell them what I was, where I was going. You don't do this for them. You do this. And at each time, they would get in trouble. I wouldn't get in trouble. They would get in trouble. But because I was humble, I showed humility. Whatever I was asked to do, I would do it, and God was my vindicator. But they knew they weren't supposed to be doing that, and they were trying to get me in trouble. Do this, do that. Okay, yes, ma'am. You might, you know. They wouldn't speak to me, but they would ask me to do these things. I'm showing humility. There's spiritual authority over me. Okay. They get in trouble. Now, they they are not in the position higher than me. But guess what? I still show them love. They're still elders, and God has promoted me to bishop. When you humble yourself before the mighty throne of God, he will exalt you and set you before great men. But also when you show love, when you humble yourself, when you obey God, what he will do is he will be your vindicator. When they try to set the traps for you, one of the things that uh, one of the apostles said this past week in our convocation That old song, when you dig one ditch, you better dig two. You ain't got to dig two because that one ditch, they're going to fall in. And it just shows shows Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. They fell in it. You don't have to do anything because what's going to happen is they're going to fall in the ditch that they set up. Guess what? The, the, The weapon that they're trying to use for you, guess what? They're going to fall into it. Because they're trying to set it up for you. Read the story of Esther. How many gallows were built? One. The same builder that built the gallow hung on it. Come on now. That'll preach real good. (laughs) So you don't have to, not that we're wanting revenge, but God is your vindicator. Now, one thing I will say that's practical, we also need to be our own brothers and sisters' keeper. When we're going through hurt, I I would really encourage, if you have a brother or sister that you can trust, don't bottle it inside. God has given us a brother or sister that we can talk to, that we can confide in, also, not taken away from God. We're not. We are to bear the infirmities of one another, the burdens, and we're supposed to be our brothers and sisters' keepers. We share and, and encourage one another. And when you know someone, not to sit up and say, oh, woe is me, this happened to me. No, let me tell you about what happened to me. But we're supposed to encourage one another. You know, brother, it's going to be all right because you know what? God will be our vindicator. We're going to love. You give people wise counsel to each other. You encourage one another. You're not trying to seek vengeance on each other. We're supposed to do these things because we're supposed to be able to be ambassadors. We're supposed to be demonstrators of the word. We're supposed to be doers of the word. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I'm going to tell you, one of the main things that we're supposed to be is Matthew 5:38, lovers of our enemies. We're supposed to pray for them. And that's one of the things that we do. We have to do it. Because you know what? We don't do God any good. We ain't doing nothing if we just love our friends. Those that love us, real ministry begins when we love those that hate us, can't stand us. We ain't doing nothing if we just loving those that love us. Real ministry is when you can go out there and love the very one that cuss you out. 
And that is not easy. Even love the one to try to swing on you. Oh, my God. I'm helping somebody right there. You love them. Even if you can't say nothing but hey and bye for it right now, God help me in my area. Ask God to work on you. And while he's working on you in this church hurt, guess what? He's working on that other person. Because I guarantee you, while he's working on you, your actions are demonstrating, starting to demonstrate his walk. And that person is watching you. That person is actually watching your walk. And they may not show it right then and there, but there's going to be a season. My God, my God, my God. There's going to be a season that they are going to be demonstrating the ministry that you have set right there before them. They're going to apologize. And even if they don't apologize to you, they're going to repent to him. <laughs> Guess what? They're going to demonstrate what you demonstrated to them. Because sometimes we may not see it, but they're going, to, they're going to be effective witnesses. I had someone when I was in college, this young lady, she dogged me out in college. Oh, my gosh. And I just wouldn't pay it any attention. I just wouldn't pay it any attention. She was an upperclassman, and I was a freshman. And um, I went to South Carolina State for my undergraduate. And they used to call the freshmen crabs. So they would call us crabs. And, you know, uh, a lot of the other freshmen, they liked them. But for some reason, she just couldn't stand me. And um, anyway, I, I didn't know why, but I just, Left her alone, you know. But I always looked up to her because she was a dynamic clarinet player. Oh, I looked up to her. But, uh, yeah, she kind of dogged me out a little bit. Um, she just didn't like me. And so, you know, I respected her, but I stayed out of her way, you know. I just, just asked the questions when I needed to, and I just went on about my business. I just could not, in my spirit, let it bother me. It just, I just couldn't do it. I just I just didn't feed into it. And I thank God because he didn't let me do it. And so anyway, um, there we went to our band director's funeral, and she came to me and she said, Kelly, I just want to apologize to you for giving you such a hard time in college. She said, I know I gave you... And and she said another word for it. She said, but I just want to apologize. That just blessed my soul. I said, well, you know what? It's okay. I said, I didn't I didn't think twice about it. I said, uh, I always looked up to you anyway. And it blessed me because of the fact that she thought enough of me to come back to apologize. But I had no ill feelings towards her had no grudge towards her, just always thought well of her. And I just I just did not feed into it. But sometimes for some other people it, it would hurt, you know, if people mistreat us. And sometimes those feelings get embedded in our spirits, and as a result of that, we may hurt other people. And so I say to you, that we have to forgive, we have to let go, and let God do it. Because we're not valued based on what man thinks of us. First Peter 2 and 9 tells us that we are royal priesthood, a holy generation, a chosen people. If God sees you as an apple of his eye, we don't have to worry about what man thinks of us. If God is before us, who can be against us? So we have to see ourselves as God sees us. He sees us as his righteousness. He sees us as kings and priests. He sees us as royalty, as jewelry. He sees us as so vessels of honor 
meat for his use. So that's what we have to see ourselves. Don't look down on yourself. It doesn't matter how you look on the outside. It doesn't matter if you have education or limited education. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you if you're picking up cans. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you serve jail time or it doesn't matter if you have a spotless record. If you are a child of God, if you have dedicated your life to God, to serving him, then you fit the bill of royalty. You have an inheritance that can't nobody take away. You are valued. So don't worry about what people think. Remember, it's not you that people are rejecting. It is him. That really helped me right there. That really blessed my soul right there. When I got revelation of that, okay, you rejecting Jesus. You got to deal with him. You don't like me. You got to deal with him. So as we begin to conclude, I want to offer this prayer to you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you so much for giving us revelation of who you are and whose you are. Father, we want to touch and agree for every person that has experienced church hurt, Lord God, that they get delivered, saved, and set free from this demonic influence, Lord God. Father, we know that we are your apple of your eye, Lord God. We know that we are royalty because you said so, Lord God. And, Father, help us to forgive, Lord God. Help us to love and demonstrate your love. You said by this walk, this trait, Lord God, we are identified as your disciples, Lord God. In Jesus' name. We want to thank Evangelist Victoria Sheffield for being our sponsor. We speak blessings over her. We want to continue to support her ministry. We thank you all for being a part and listening. We will continue this segment in the near future. Um, so stay tuned with us. We want to thank you for joining in. We want to love you. Uh, feel free to contact me if you want to discuss it. I'll be happy to share with you, talk to you, love on you, give you wise counsel. Just know that this is Bishop Kelly Zimmerman of Kingdom Today. Know that I love you, but Jesus loves you best. You all have a blessed day in the Lord.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.